Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. closest we might think that we could possibly get with Christ, guess what? We will have tribulation. We will. Jesus told us that, remember? In, in John 16, 33, he says, in this world, guess what? You're going to have tribulation. And then he said those really weird words. He says, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. No, I want to be of good cheer because you're going to take me out of the tribulation. No, that's not what he's saying. You're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Today, Pastor David uncovers a misplaced longing in people's lives. Often people hope to avoid any trouble, and even Christians may hope for comfort so that they can avoid challenges. The problem with this is that God never promised to remove trials from our lives. Rather, God is the God of all comfort who is present in every circumstance. Just as Jesus suffered in this life, so you will also suffer in this life. But God demonstrated power over the trials, even death, in the resurrection of Jesus. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message entitled, Perseverance in Trials. known people that literally, you look at their life and it's just like, bam, bam, bam. And I think, Lord, I don't know if I would be strong enough to stand in the midst of that. But I'm blown away by the faithful perseverance of saints, of saints whose peace isn't found in the circumstances that they're walking in. Their peace is found in their absolute trust and faith and surrender to Christ. Listen, I, I, I don't like to be uncomfortable. I, I don't like to be under tribulation any more than the next guy. My, my selfishness kicks in, and, and, and man, I want to be released from that for my sake, you know? And yet that isn't what our lives in Christ are to be like. We're to live our lives, what does the word say? As sacrifices, holy surrender. As a matter of fact, what was Jesus' requirement? One of Jesus' requirements for each one of us. You can't follow me unless you die first. And you know what? When I die, that's a life of sacrifice. So then it can't be about me. Why? Because I'm dead. But my problem is like most all of ours, you know, it keeps crawling out of the coffin and knocking the nails off the lid, keeps coming back to life. And so daily, daily has to be crucified. Daily has to be surrendered. I can't say, yeah, wow, back in 2003, I surrendered my life and boy, that dealt with it. You better be surrendering your life every day and in most cases, every moment of every day. 
Because the enemy's going to find you in a place. The enemy's going to find you in a place. There's no doubt about it. We're to live our lives in sacrifice. Sacrifice to Christ and sacrifice to those around us. Therefore, when comfort comes our way in the middle of all the tribulation and the trials that we're going through, first of all, we need to realize it's not going to be a removal of the tribulation necessarily. But more than likely, he's going to give you comfort in the midst of the tribulation. And beloved, that's radical. Because I hear all the time, and I don't listen to them very long. Once I catch what they're saying, I turn them off. There's, there's way too many messages that go out there that say, hey, if you trust the Lord, if you follow the Lord, he'll remove the tribulation. But that's not what it says. It says, no, he'll bring you comfort in the midst of the tribulation. Why? In order that you might be a comfort to those who are in the middle of tribulation, and you might comfort them with the same comfort that you're comforted with. If I don't have tribulation, guess what? I don't need comfort. I'm okay. Everything's running smoothly. But when I'm going through stuff, that's when I need the Lord, and that's when the Lord shows himself strong. That's radical. And you might be saying, you you mean to tell me that Jesus didn't die to remove me from all tribulation? That's exactly what I'm telling you. He did not do that. He died to save you from eternal damnation and to allow you to enter into an eternal relationship with God as Father rather than God as judge at the end of our days. That's why he died, for our salvation. And in the midst of that, now that I'm his child, he wants me to be a representation of that same kind of sacrifice to the world all around me that thinks that the only good things is when I'm comfortable and when I have everything that I have and when life is going my way and my kids are obeying and my checkbook is fat and and everything is wonderful. That's where their peace comes from. But that's a temporary peace. And that can end in a moment. Some of you know that. One phone call away, one doctor's visit away, one, you know, whatever, one, one sunrise away, and suddenly the world has changed. Where's your comfort? Is it in this? Is it in earthly things? Or is it in heavenly things? Even in the midst of our relationship with Christ, as close as we might think that we could possibly get with Christ, guess what? We will have tribulation. We will. Jesus told us that, remember? In, in John 16, 33, he says, in this world, guess what? You're going to have tribulation. And then he said those really weird words. He says, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. No, I want to be of good cheer because you're going to take me out of the tribulation. No, that's not what he's saying. You're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. But let's not forget the first part of that verse. As Jesus was speaking to his disciples there on the night that he was going to be betrayed, he knew that it was only hours away before he was going to be arrested, tried, and crucified. Only hours away from that. As he's speaking to his disciples, one of the things that he told them there in John chapter 16, verse 16, he says, you know what, in a little while, you're not going to see me. But then a little while later, and you'll, you'll, you'll see me again. Because I'm going to go to the Father. He told them that they were going to go through some hard times. 
He told them, you're going to weep and lament, but guess what? The world's going to rejoice. So what he's saying is, man, if you're going to follow me, it's not happy time here. This is, this is the time of sacrifice. This is the time of being prepared. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have good times here. Please don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, again, Jesus knows that in this world we're going to have tribulations, and he's trying to make that clear to his disciples. And beloved, that's the same word that we get even today. He wanted them to know that he was fully aware of the fact that very soon, and he told them, indeed, the hour is coming, yes, and now has come, that you'll be scattered, each one of you to your own, and you're going to leave me alone. But even Jesus understood. He says, but I'm not alone, guys. Why? Because the Father is with me. Now, see, that's the concept, that's the understanding that each one of us have to have. If all the world rejects us, if all the world, again, turns turn sour on us, he's there with me. He's there with me. That's where Jesus found his peace. And guess what? That's where you and I find our peace. In the midst of all the struggles and the trials and the tribulations, in the midst of all the fears and the confusion, Jesus told them in John 16, 33, we read it a moment ago, but let me give you the beginning of the verse now. These things I have spoken to you that in me you might have peace. What things did he say? You're going to go through a world of tribulation. They're going to hate you, but they hated me before. Man, you're going to weep and the world's going to rejoice. Oh, by the way, I'm telling you these things so that you can have peace. Does that make sense to you? It doesn't on the surface, but in the understanding of what he's saying, it makes a lot of sense because he's forewarning them. Don't let your peace be in the comfort of this world. I want you to have peace, he says. I want you to have the fullness of peace. I want you to have perfect peace that passes all understanding. I want you to have peace, not like this world gives, but like I give you. And the only way that you're going to do that is when your heart and your mind, everything is surrendered to me. I write these things to you that you might have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus is speaking about the kind of peace that isn't based on the absence of conflict. It's the peace that endures throughout the conflict. When we have that kind of peace, we then become strong messengers of the peace that God gives to a troubled world that has no peace. Paul tells us that our God is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulations, that, that we might be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the very same comfort that we ourselves are comforted by God. Paul fully understood what that kind of peace looked like. It allowed him, it allowed Paul to be comforted and to give comfort to others. He'd experienced it in his own life. He knew what he was speaking about. He wasn't in some high tower riding down to the, to the little people down there what it was like to follow God. No, Paul it was in the trenches. He was even in the trenches as he wrote these things. And he states that we, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our tribulations, we have a calling in our lives to be comforters to others. And then he goes on in 2 Corinthians, uh, down in verse 5, still back in chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, down in verse 5, and listen what he writes to the church after he tells them, man, you need to comfort those that need comforting with the comfort that you're, you're comforted with. 
He says, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Right now, if we're afflicted, it's, it's for your consolations, for your salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also have suffered. For if we are comforted, it's for your consolation and your salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. Because Paul would not back down in his pursuit of spreading the gospel to all men, everywhere. Every chance that he had. I believe that that Paul was that kind of a guy, man. He would go in and he would look for opportunities to open up a conversation about the hope of the gospel. Because he was pursuing that, he was continually under this, this, this constant attack from the enemy. And he knew that these attacks were coming because he was faithful to boldly proclaim the witness of the gospel even when his life was on the line, even when people didn't seem to accept it, even when it was an uproar, even when it was unpopular. And yet he knew that the suffering he faced was because he was pressing on in the furtherance of the gospel for the benefit of the churches like Corinth. He says, man, I've done this for your benefit. I've shared Christ for your benefit. I continue to proclaim Christ for your benefit. It was through troubles and tribulations that the grace and the peace of God uh, are, are most often felt in our lives. When, I, when, I'm, when I'm doing okay, I think, well, thank you, Lord, for that. I don't really know his comfort at that time. I'm really not experiencing his grace. So I'm going through the stuff of life. And suddenly I, that peace of God just flows over. I say, thank you, Lord. That even in this, you're showing yourself strong. You're showing yourself powerful. When we go through these kind of trials, when we get our focus off of ourselves and off of the world, when we see how the Lord Jesus is fully carrying us in the midst of that storm, not allowing the storm to overwhelm or to fully crush us. The Greek word that's translated for troubles or hardships here in 2 Corinthians, it also has the meanings of pressures or distresses. And Paul uses that word nine times in this letter. He also uses a form of that word that means distressed, hard-pressed, and harassed. An additional three times. Paul wasn't ignorant of any of these things. He knew what it was to be pressed. He knew what it was to be distressed. He knew what it was to be troubled, just as we shared last time we were here. He lived in it almost daily. And he reminds the Corinthians of these attacks in his life. Look at verse 8. For we don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, For the trouble which came to us in Asia, we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had a sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. So my question goes back. So you want to be a missionary, huh? You, you, you want to go into ministry, huh? Here's, here's part of Paul's experience as such. And you got to realize Paul isn't boasting about any of this. 
He's just stating the harsh reality of what it took for him to be able to spread the gospel to the places that, oh yeah, it's the places God called him to go is where he had all these attacks. God called him to go over there with full understanding that, man, there's going to be a riot and they're going to to stone you, leave you for dead. But I want you to go and I want you to share my gospel. I want you to tell them about my son, Paul, because they're not going to hear it any other way. God led him there. God's perfect will had led him to places where he and those that were with him were burdened beyond measure, above all of their physical strength. They got to places where they despaired even of their life. We, we read the word, and unless we slow down and really look at it, we, we don't understand, man, the, the points and the places that these guys went just to share the gospel. He says the sentence of death was with, within ourselves in order that we wouldn't trust in ourselves, but we trust in God. As a matter of fact, we trusted in a God who raises the dead because we figured we were going to die. That's in essence what he's saying here. Our trust wasn't in ourselves. Our trust was in God, the one who raises the dead. Our trust was in God who delivered us from so great a death. Our trust was in God who does deliver us. Our trust is in God whom we trust that he will still deliver us. This then, it's a work of God. It's not a work of man. Man would perish. Only God can cause the deserts to bloom and the hard places to become fertile ground. And as Paul was faithful in that call through the midst of all of the trials, through the midst of all of the struggles, through all the times that people rejected him, turned away from him, as Paul remained faithful, he also got to see a great harvest. You know what? We won't see a harvest unless we're faithful. If we back down at every rejection, the testimony of our life, we're not going to have the joy of the harvest. Hey, Bill, I heard your farm did great over there. Man, you, you, you got, man, just, just tons and tons of crops. Hey, Sam, I, I heard your farm did really great over there. Man, you had acres and acres of just bumper crops because they persevered. How did you do on your farm? Well, I didn't get very much. Well, because it was hot in the, during the day, and I didn't want to go out when it was hot. Well, it was cold on those days. I didn't want to go out when it was cold. And I had other things. Well, that ground was hard, and it was tough, and we can come up with all kinds of excuses, and then we look at others who see a great harvest in their life. And we wonder why we don't get a harvest in ours. As Paul was faithful to the call Through the midst of all of these trials, he saw that harvest. And the people of Corinth were a testimony of that truth. And you know what? This last verse, verse 11. In all of that, in all of the strength that Paul said, I get from my faith in the Lord, in all the experience that Paul had in uh, dealing with all of these attacks, he says in verse 11, you also, he's speaking to the church. You also, helping together, what? In finances, in, in coming alongside? No, in praying for us. 
in order that thanks might be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Now, I know a little bit later he's going to speak about the financial gift that they bring to the church in Jerusalem that's going through a lot of tribulation, but I don't believe that that's the gift that he's speaking here. I believe the gift that he's speaking here is the gift of the gospel message because that's what he's saying. That's what he's pushing for. He's not suffering through all of this just to bring money over to Jerusalem. No, he's suffering through all of this to bring the gospel to these pagan cities and villages and countrysides here. That's what he's suffering. And he says, you know what? There's many persons on our behalf that have received that gift granted to us through many. Paul saw the harvest because of the prayers of the saints, and because of perseverance through trials. The important thing for both of us, and I'll close at this. I say for both of us, how about for all of us? There's more than one of us, two of us in here. The important thing for all of us is to persevere. Even in the times of attack. That we stand strong in the Lord, not in our own strength, But we stand because we've sacrificed, we've surrendered everything into his hands. And we just understand, Lord, it's all about you. It's all about you. If they don't receive the testimony of my life, the hope that I have, Lord, this is all about you. I know that the rejection, they're rejecting you, Lord. Open their eyes that they might see. Persevere, persevere, persevere. That's your responsibility for your life. But you know what? Each one of us have a responsibility for the lives around us. That we be praying for each other. That we be praying and encouraging each other in our walk and in the testimony of our lives. That we be praying for each other. Paul says, man, it was was through your prayers. You also helping together in prayer for us. I could get real selfish and say, that means pray for your ministers. And we'll take as many as we can get, believe me. But you know what? You know what the Word of God says? All y'all are ministers. We are. We're called. The Lord gives gifts to the church, Paul tells us in Ephesians, for the equipping of, oh, by the way, who are you guys now? The saints. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. All y'all. For the work of ministry. So that means we got to be praying for each other. That our lives would be a testimony for Christ and that we'd be able to stand even in the midst of trials and struggles and tribulations. And when the enemy comes and he says, oh, you've failed before. Say, yeah, I did. Because I did it in my strength. Oh, by the way, I'm not saying have a conversation with the enemy, no. What I'm saying is, is keep your focus on where your focus needs to be. The God of all comfort will comfort you. The God of all peace will bring peace. And His grace and His mercy will reign and rule in your hearts. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message from The Open Word. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 2 Corinthians have touched your life. 
and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us next time on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, or shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take The Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound, Bible-based teachings with you anytime, anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at TheOpenWord.com, be sure to click on About for more information about the ministry of The Open Word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is TheOpenWord.com. That's all the time we have for here today on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 2 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a blessed day.